the written word of the living God. The Father's love letter to his people. All of it was spirit-breathed. Through it, he wants to reveal his love for you. Will you seek him? Will you come to him just as you are and let him speak life over you? Good morning. Good morning, Coral. It's good to see you today. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Um, this is always that very, very unique uh, weekend, uh, the way the Lord works the calendar out. We have this weekend that's right before 2019 begins. And uh, this is where we get to stop and we get to look back just for a quick second at 2018. And we kind of ask ourselves, how, how did we do? How did it go? Uh, thinking back coming out of 2017, going into 2018, did you have your list? Like Scott said, uh, did that gym membership get used or did it not? Uh, did you have a certain weight or goal as far as weight you wanted to lose or maybe weight you wanted to gain? Or uh, did you get that job you wanted? Did you, did you enroll in school like you said you wanted to? Did you get any of it done? And here's the beautiful part. If the answer is no to all of it, Jesus still loves you. Amen. Amen. All right, so there it is. So with that clean slate, we're going to welcome 2019 in. I'm going to invite, uh, if any of you are looking for a Bible, um, whenever it is that I speak, uh, one of the things that I do, um, and it's just my way, is um, you're not going to get any scripture up on the screen. If we're going to read the Word of God, we're going to do it together, all right? So that means get your apps out, raise your hand if you need a Bible, ushers will put one in your hand. We're going to read through God's Word together, okay? I want to welcome you to our kickoff for 40 days in the Word. This is a thing that we've been kind of building up to. Uh, the actual beginning of it's gonna happen next weekend, and that's when Pastor Ken will be back, and that'll be beginning of week one for us. But today, uh, this, is our, this is our kickoff. This is our starting point, and I'm gonna walk you through uh, some of the, the things that we're gonna be doing, what we're gonna be looking at, and how this format and layout is going to look for us for the next six weeks. And I also wanna do something now, I don't know if we've ever done this before, but I want to stop and take a moment, and I want, to, I want to talk to our online community, our online family. Good morning, first of all. We're glad that you're here and that you're with us. And we want to invite you to come and take this journey with us. Why? Because your presence is important to us. Your participation is important to us. You are important to us because you are us. And hopefully in the next few minutes, you're going to get to hear how you can be involved and walking right along with us, okay? So I'm hoping that this is going to be blessing and challenge and all it is for us. I'm hoping it's going to be the same thing for you. We're glad that you're here today. So at the end of these 40 days, approximately about six weeks, what is, what is going to be the goal? I'm going to try to summarize the goal into just one simple phrase that we would be able to, to learn to love the word, that we would learn the word, 
and that we would uh, live out the word, okay? We're gonna learn to love the word, to learn the word, and to live out the word. This journey is going to be centered around four key activity components. One component is gonna be the sermon component, okay? Every week you come, you're gonna hear a sermon that's gonna be centered around a particular theme. There's gonna be the life group component, and that is really critical. Gonna talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. Um, the daily devotional component and scripture memory component, okay? So let's take a quick look at where we're gonna be going for the next six weeks. Each week, we will be looking at a different aspect of the Bible, and we will all be focusing on the same text and the same topics at the same time. We're all going to do this journey all together. For week one, we're going to be looking at the inspiration of the Bible. How can I trust the Bible? How do I know that the Bible is true and that I can trust it for my life? In week two, we're going to be looking at the foundation of the Bible. What is the purpose of the Bible? We're going to help you see the big picture of scriptures. It's 66 books in one book. So it's more like a library, but it's all pointing to the same theme. In week three, we're going to look at the illumination of the Bible. Okay. That is, how does God illuminate my mind so that I can see what he wants me to see? You know how it is that you can, you can read scripture and then you go back and you, you read it again and, and again and again and again and you're just like, I don't, I don't get it. I, don't, I, I know there's supposed to be something here for me, but I'm not, I'm not picking up on it. And then sometime later you go back and you read it, bam. All of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness. How did I, how did I that's been there all along? Lord, how come I, how come you didn't, how come we haven't? And you know what that is? That's illumination. That's when the light has turned on and the Lord has just revealed something to you. When I think about illumination, I have these humbling moments. And I don't know how many of you join me with, with me in this particular experience, but about 90 to 95% of the time, I'm the last one who goes to bed. I make sure all the lights are off, I make sure all the doors are locked, I make sure the alarm is on. And I, being a man, I'm just, men, let's just go ahead and put it on out there. I, being a man, I have this thing where I turn off the light here, my bedroom is over there, and even though there's lights that could be on in between, somehow I believe I can navigate my way all the way to that bedroom safely, when, and I can tell you right now, I have toes and kneecaps that greatly resent that faith that I have, that I can get there. But I do it over and over again. And my brain will even go, well, Damien, you do know you can just turn that light on right over there and that'll help you get the rest of the way. And then pride kicks in and goes, no, I can do this. And then you know the rest of the story. But if I would just turn on the light, I would see where I would need to go and what I need to avoid. Week three, illumination of the Bible. Week four, we're going to look at interpretation. Now, this, this is a real important week. We ask, how do I know what a verse means? Because a lot of times you hear people say, well, that's just your interpretation. As if everyone can have their own particular interpretation of a verse. Actually, there are correct ways to interpret the Bible, and there are incorrect ways to interpret it. When you interpret it correctly, you get what God says. But interpret it incorrectly, and you could end up starting a cult. It's that important. 
And please understand that correct interpretation does not guarantee that you're going to get the answer that you want. But through it, God will give you the answer that you need. So week four is interpretation. Week five, we're going to look at integration of the Bible. How do I put the Bible into every area of my life? How do I use my Bible at work? How do I use it at home? How do I integrate it into my family life? Every different area. And that includes your past, your present, and your future. In week six, and this is the last week, we're going to look at the application of the Bible. Meaning specifically, how do I use the Bible in, in, uh, you know, for, for making good decisions? How do I use the Bible to overcome temptation? How do I use it to counsel somebody or to offer advice? So those are what the sermon components are going to look like right there. There's week one through week six all laid out for you. But the most important experience of this journey, I believe, is going to be the life group component. See, we invite you all to step into an environment where you can process this journey with other people. When God's people gather together to share a common interest in his words, something amazing happens. The Holy Spirit shows up. And with that comes the possibility of hearts being shared and brand new relationships begin that can end up lasting a lifetime. The group component is going to be guided by video instruction, and that instruction can be found on our Right Now Media resource that we use, and we make that available to you. It's free. And then there's also DVDs that are going to be available to you. I'm not sure if they're going to be available today, but they're going to start making them available really, really soon, especially since we're starting next week. And all you have to do is pop it in and you get to listen. And you also are going to get to be led through these workbooks that we've been making available. Hopefully, everybody's had a chance to pick one up. They're $5 each. They're available right after the service. You just head out into the lobby right over here into our garage storage area is what we like to call it right there. But pick one of these up. This is going to be the tool that we're going to use to guide us through this for what is the next thing that we're going to be doing. Here it is right here for us, okay? $5. Go grab one. The daily devotional and the scriptural components are also available through the workbooks and online at the website that is 40DITW.com. So 40DITW.com. If you want to write that down, that's where you go for your daily devotional, okay? This is where you get to take about five minutes a day to have a little personal time with God and about his word. The online version allows you to listen to 40 different top biblical teachers. And they're going to help you get deeper into God's word. And you can begin to learn how to make time to do what you always wanted to do. And that is get in the word and draw closer to God. Church, I'm going to shift over now to Jesus' most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7 Jesus is wrapping all of you know, this whole thing that he's been sharing. And he's been sharing some, some really hard and some challenging things. But in Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 24, he begins to share a story. And it has to do with two guys who built their houses. One guy built his house on solid rock and the other on sand. And when the storms came, they had very different experiences. The one who built on the rock, his house withstood the storms. But the one who built upon the sand, once the storms hit his house, it collapsed. Because that's what rock and sand do. Rock stands firm. 
Sand shifts because that's what sand does. So my question for you today is this. What is your house built on? That's somebody else's house because we're real good about paying attention to what somebody else's house is built on. What's your house built on? Today, we're going to wrap up our time, hopefully over the next 20 minutes or so. We're going to, um, we're going to talk about what, is it, what our houses are built on and what does it mean for our house to be built on a solid rock. And here's our theme for today. How do I build my life on the Bible? How do I do that? So let's open our Bibles to the first chapter in the book of James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I'm going to my phone. I'm going to pull this up right here. So that gives you guys time to hopefully pull yours up as well. We're going to be looking at a couple different versions. The English Standard Version, the ESV is what we normally look at. But today I'm going to implement a little bit of NIV. Because the NIV um, really just captures just a little more heart and a little more wow. Okay, and we're going to take a look at both of those. And that might even be one more version we might look at as well. James chapter 1, verse 19. In the NIV, this is what it says. And you compare along with the ESV that you have. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So in order to answer the question, we need to consider how it is that God wired us and shaped us. God gave you five senses to hear, see, touch, smell, and taste. And everything that you know or have experienced has come through one or more of those senses. That's how you and I encounter life. And that's how God wants you to encounter the Bible, by using all of those senses. So with that as a backdrop, we're going to step into this. And this is where if you want to take out your notes and we're going to start filling in some blanks. I know some of you are blank fillers. It is how the Lord has wired and shaped you. And I'm not going to disappoint you today, all right? Now, here's one thing I am going to ask of you. I might be going to these things called glasses from time to time. There it is. No laughing at me, please. Because glasses might be coming for you. Amen. So, the first way that I can learn how to build my life on the Bible is this. I receive it with my ears. I receive it with my ears. In Romans 10, 17, it says this, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That's what the ESV says. Here's what the NIV says. 
Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Now let's go back and take a look at James 1 again. Go back to James 1. We're going to take a look at verses 19 through 21, just so that we can just get context here. It says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept, that is a key word for us today, humbly accept the word planted within you which can save you. This word accept in the Greek is dekomai, which is a term of hospitality. It means to welcome a stranger. It means you're saying, come on in, make yourself at home. But to accept is to receive it well. You know that some seeds when planted produce well and and some don't. And what's the difference? It's the soil that it's planted in. I don't know if you know this, but I do not have the gift of planting anything and helping it grow if it involves dirt. I am one of those that I've heard about these things called perennials and annuals, and I think they're the most beautiful thing in the world because last time I checked, you don't have to really do anything with them. You put them in the dirt, they grow, they go away, they come back. Do I have that about right? (laughs) See what I'm talking about? If you need me to help keep something alive, if you leave this country and say, Damien, I need you to come and water my mm mm-mm, You're going to come back to everything dead that you just asked me to help save. It's not going to work. But here's something I do know. Soil is required. And I know some of us get into the conversations, and I've heard conversations, oh, well, if you go over and you pick up this particular kind of product, and you put it on there, and if you do it like um, for two weeks, it'll just change your soil, and your plants will grow, and your fruit will just be, and your flowers will just be. And I hear that conversation, and all I hear is wah, 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 wah. But here's what I know, there is dirt involved and it's necessary. The soil is necessary. So what's the difference between when seeds um, plant and, and they germinate and they grow and then there's ones that don't? It's the quality of the soil. Good soil is ready to receive, bad soil ain't. Our hearts are the soil. And the condition of our hearts will determine if we're ready for what we like to call good reception. Good reception. So here are four ways to be ready for good reception, okay? These are gonna be real simple, but hopefully they'll be key for us. For good reception, I need to be first of all, quiet. Be quick to listen and slow to speak, okay? May I ask, just for just show of hands, how many of you here this morning feel like you are a pretty decent listener? Just, you're decent. You're not great, you're not over the top, but you're a decent listener. You're decent, right? Ooh, boy, those elbows are pretty tight right there. Those hands are not going up too high. Because, see, if I were to ask, is there somebody in this room who would be able to verify that? <laughs> One of the things that I know to be true is this. A conceived thought to be spoken and a listening ear fight for the same space. I want you to think about that. A conceived thought that needs to be spoken and a good listening tuned in ear, they're fighting for the exact same space. 
So can I just give you a suggestion on what to do when that fight happens? Let your ears win. Let your ears win. The second thing for good reception to happen, I need to be calm. James writes, he says, be slow to anger. The fact for us is we don't hear much when we're angry, when we're upset, when we're uptight. I know how I get, it's not pretty. And hearing is the last thing I really want to do. Just being honest with you. When you're emotionally upset, you become potentially defensive. Actually, for a lot of us, it's not even potentially. You become defensive, okay? A relaxed attitude increases receptiveness. So church, be calm. The third thing that helps us for good reception is be clean. James wrote, he said, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. The word filth in the Greek is the, is the word ruparon, ruparian, excuse me, sorry about that. It's ruparian. Or a better understanding for us today, it would be earwax. Now you see, I say earwax and everybody in this room here knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know what it is. Is there anybody here who collects that stuff? Now, now, wait, some of you, okay, don't answer that, all right? So, but no, we don't collect that stuff because it's nasty. It just is. That's the reason why we call it with Q-tips. We love them. They're a beautiful thing because they help get that stuff out. The fact for us is sin blocks our ability to hear God. It plugs up the sound so we just can't hear anything. And evil, oh, evil's real simple. It's anything that's going on in our lives that we know isn't right. You know, one of the things that having children, in specific having boys, is that when they leave your house and they go outside, especially when they're little, when they, upon their return, you pretty much know exactly where they've been and what they've been doing. Why? Because it comes with them. Now, when we go camping, and we, we used to be tent campers, that was before all the stories some of you guys have heard and have gone down, um, when our boys would return back to the tent, mama would say, hold up, right there. All oh, that stuff you got on right now, that's coming off. Here it is, strip, right here, right here. And the beautiful thing about boys when they're little is, you tell them to strip, no problem, here we go, it's coming off, all right? Shirt, pants, everything, you go, whoa, whoa, leave the underwear, leave the underwear, leave that on, all right. But it was, you know why? Because she didn't want it tracked into the tent. She's like, take that stuff out here. We'll find a bag. We'll go burn it and dispose of it properly. <laughs> and then we'll get you into something clean and dry and yeah. So how, how is it that we do that? How do we peel all that stuff off? It's simple and it's beautiful. It's called confession. When we confess, Oh, gosh, all the weight of that, all of that dirt, all of that stuff just comes off. And we now step into a place of the freedom that God intended for us. And the last way that we can, that we can prepare ourselves for good reception is acknowledging that we need to be humble. Humbly accept the word that's in you. 
which can save you. Can I ask you a question? Are you ready to do whatever God's word says for you to do? Because if your answer is yes, and your answer might have been right then, I don't know. And that's good. If you can acknowledge that answer, that's a good thing. But if your answer was yes, then humility will be in the driver's seat for you. Okay? So for good reception, church, call to be quiet, be calm, be clean, and be humble. The second way in which you can build your life upon the Bible is this. I read it with my eyes. I read it with my eyes. In James 1, 22 through 25, here's what the NIV says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. To look intently or to look with purpose one at a time. I know that every time I have gone to a jewelry store to look something, look for something for my wife, I've never walked in there going, is somebody asking you, sir, can I help you? I don't know. Well, are, are you looking for something? I think so. Is it for someone in particular? Maybe. No. See, all that kind of indecisiveness just, oh my gosh. When I come into there, I've got an idea of what it is. I'm looking for earrings. Come with me this way, sir. They don't take me over to the watches. We're not perusing through the necklaces and we're not looking at pendants. We go over to the earrings and then we're going to take some time and I'm going to look intently at everything that that salesperson shows me. To look at something intently, it's gotten your attention. As I read, I should reflect on it. When you look into God's word, look intently. Look with purpose. Look with your full attention. In many ways, God's word is like a mirror. Its purpose is to evaluate ourselves. Now, this morning, I'm just going to ask, and you don't have to raise your hands, is there anyone who left the house this morning on your way here and did not look in a mirror? Amen. I love it when God's people are honest. It's a beautiful thing. See, you have to look in a mirror. It's necessary to look in the mirror. You've got to evaluate and assess the damage from the night before. <laughs> Just keep it, hey, hey, you know. Okay, because some of us, once you have assessed what that damage is, then you got to do something about it. Some of us have to do a little more than others. That's all right. We family. It's good. Some of you did well today. No, that's not true. All of you did well today. You look good. <laughs> you look good. Mirrors reveal. A mirror reveals. Queen Elizabeth, towards the end of her reign, had all the mirrors in her home removed because her beauty was fading, and she didn't want to see that. 
Here's what God's word does. It reflects what we are on the inside. There are two ways that you can look into a mirror. One is that quick glance. That's something that teenagers are real good at, okay? They're checking for the essentials. Eh, it may not be teenagers, it might be some of y'all too. Checking for those essentials. Food in the teeth? Anything in the nose? All right, I'm good. I'll go ahead and confess this. I love my wife because she's about six inches shorter than me, actually a little more than that. And she has an angle. <laughs> Amen. She has an angle and she can glance up and go, honey, and when I get the sign, that means, okay, I need to go take care of something that I really don't want anybody else to see. I love my wife. The second way you can look into a mirror is with an intentional gaze. With an intentional gaze, you're looking at the details. God wants us to gaze at his word, not glance at it. Not a quick look and go, but spend time in it. So when it comes to using our eyes, to reading it with our eyes, can I encourage you, get a Bible reading plan. To say that I'm gonna have a, you know, a, I'm gonna start spending some quiet time with the Lord every day. That one can go almost as fast as a gym membership can. It's with the best of intentions, but let's be honest. Next thing you know, something has crept back into that time and it goes away. The beautiful thing today, especially with technology, with a Bible plan, is you get reminders. If you use the YouVersion app, you get an email reminder and you get a push notification every single day, checking with you. And if you miss a day, it'll check with you the next day and go, hey, you missed yesterday. And you go, oh, I did. Because who wants to miss an opportunity to stay in God's word? We don't want to miss that opportunity, but life can begin to crowd stuff out. So I want to encourage you, get a Bible reading plan. It'll be a good thing for you. If that could be something I could suggest for 2019. The third way in which we can build our lives on the Bible is this. I research it with my hands and my mouth. I research it with my hands and mouth. There's a difference between reading scripture and studying scripture. Bible reading, Bible reading is valid, it's important, but Bible studying requires two significant components. One, writing down what I learn. And the second one is talking about what I learn. And that's where that life group component comes into play. If you're sitting and you're reading and you're writing down the, the Bible and you're having this experience and you're doing it all by yourself, consider how much you could be missing out on. In a group, oh, all of a sudden you begin to hear another person's experience with God's word and the riches that could be for you potentially there. When you write down what you learn and you talk about it with someone, you've now engaged God's word at a completely different level. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 39. John chapter 5, verse 39. He says this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness to me. Now in the New Living Translation, I just want to share this with you because I just love how, how they put it. 
You search the scriptures because you believe they give you eternal life. And the scriptures point to me. Those were Jesus' words. In Acts chapter 17, there's an account concerning Paul and Silas. They've gone to a city called Thessalonica. And they're there to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a few who do receive it, but there's a group of Jews who aren't having anything to do with it. And they begin to start trouble. And next thing you know, Paul and Silas find themselves in a situation where they need to literally flee Thessalonica. When is the last time that you ever had to flee something? I mean, when you flee, I don't, I'm trying to remember the last time I had to flee. I can remember a dog chasing me and I had to flee. But I have not fled much in my life. Well, Paul and Silas had to flee and they found themselves in a city called Berea. And here's what it says in Acts 17, verse 11. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now, if I can, let me share with you the New Living Translation. Listen to this. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. And I love this. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if what Paul and Silas were teaching was the truth. Mm. Gotta love those Bereans. They were studying the scriptures. Are they doing more than reading? Yes. They are searching. They are writing. They are talking with each other. They are researching with their hands and their mouths. And that's how we can part, begin to build our lives on the Bible. Number four, I review, I review and remember it with my mind. I review and remember it with my mind. Remember what James said in verse 25 in chapter 1. He said, the man who looks intently into the perfect law and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If you're going to be blessed in what you do on this journey, you've got to review and remember with your mind. What do we mean by review? You continually do this. You ponder it. You're thinking about it over and over and over. And remembering? Well, remembering is real simple. You don't forget it. One of the single greatest spiritual habits you can develop is the habit of memorizing some scripture. By holding, by hiding the word in your heart and putting it in your mind. One of the brothers here that I love and I adore by how he memorizes scripture and when he introduces it is our brother Paul. I don't know if you've spent any time with you, but if you spend time, but I'm telling you, you spend more than two or three minutes with him, talking with him or praying with him, you're gonna get some scripture dropped on you. And the brother doesn't go grab his Bible. He just starts quoting it right there. And he's King James version too. He's old school. There are these and thou's. It's beautiful when he does it because every time he does, my soul, my spirit needs to hear what he hears. Now, why is this spiritual habit of, this, of memorizing so important? Because 
when you need it the most, when you need scripture the most, a Bible isn't going to be around. It's not around. When you get tempted, you don't have a Bible at your side. When you're sharing your testimony or you're sharing your faith or if you're under stress or when you need comfort or when you have a crisis, there's not a Bible around. You need to have it in your mind so that you can review it right then. But you say, look, Damien, I have a terrible memory. I can't remember anything. Well, you know what my bride told me some years ago? When it came to my attention and my energy, she said this and it has stayed with me ever since. She said, honey, you remember what's important to you. Amen. Think about it, church. You remember phone numbers that are important to you. You can uh, remember dates that are important, that are important. Some of us say we can't remember anything, but we can quote song lyrics and melodies from songs in the 80s. In the 70s, in the 60s, okay, all right, I'm not going to go any further back than that, all right, I'm sorry, that's, that's before my time, but we can quote statistics of our favorite players and teams. We can even tell you where we were when a thing happened. Is there anybody in this room who doesn't remember where you were? when you didn't give the ball to Marshawn. I know, I know, it still stings. I understand, I understand. I'm not even a, a Hawk fan, and I know where I was when it happened. Memory is a skill that you can get good at. Memory is like a muscle. You have to use it. You have to stretch it. You have to push it. During these 40 days, we're going to memorize one verse a week. That's it. Just one. One verse a week. Because when you need them, not if you need it, but when you need it, God will bring it to mind for you. And it's really difficult to review what you can't remember. You can't. See, when something is stuck in your head, well, you get to spend a whole lot of time with it. For those years, as your worship pastor and as a choir director here, we were living with the same four songs every four to five to six weeks. And I can't tell you how many nights I'd lay down and those songs would just be stuck in, I'm sorry, those songs <laughs> would be something that I got to enjoy and live with <laughs> and be blessed by. No, I am need to be honest with you. There were times I wanted to turn the songs off. There were some other things I wanted to remember but our minds don't work like that. If you've been focusing on a thing, guess what your mind's gonna do? It's gonna stay with that thing. And I'd play those songs over my head over and over and over. And that's what God's word could be for us. Let it get in there. Just let it get in and then see what could happen as you begin to ponder it, as you begin to think about it, as you begin to process it. That's what reviewing is. In the Bible, there's a word for what we're talking about here. The skill of remembering and reviewing is called meditation. That's what it's called. It's called meditation. 
Meditation is simply remembering and reviewing the scripture in your mind. That's all it means. Now, this word has been really seriously misunderstood. Many of us don't understand meditation. We're scared of it. Some of us still look at it as a new age kind of thing, okay? No, no, no. Even some well-meaning believers have said that we shouldn't meditate. Meditation, can we just be kind of clear this up? Meditation is not sitting in a lotus position for hours trying to evaluate how much lint you have in your navel while you sit there and say, Om, no. Consider what God's word says in Joshua chapter one. Now I'm gonna ask you all to turn there for this because this is good stuff. Joshua chapter one. Moses has been taken by the Lord. Joshua is now in charge of the people of Israel. And the Lord begins to lay out some very clear and concrete and unmistakable commands for Joshua and for the people of Israel. And in verse eight, this is what he says. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. These were God's words, his command to Joshua. No one came up with this. God said, don't stop talking about my word. Think on it, remember it, review it. But he also said something significant, and it was this. So that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. And that takes us to our fifth way that we can build our lives on the Bible, and is this. I respond with my actions. I respond with my actions. In James 1.22, he writes, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And how do we deceive ourselves? We think if we've heard something, we got it. I, I, I live with three boys, they're professionals at this. Do you, do you, are you good for your, your test, did you, are you, yeah, no, dad, I'm good, I got it. Are you ready for your, your quiz, to, no. Yo, Pops, I'm good. I got it. Until they come home the next day. See, if I were to tell you that I'm a good father, but I don't actually execute that and make it happen, and my children just lose their minds, and it, then I'm deceiving myself. And I don't got it. Now, church, please hear this. You only believe the parts of the Bible you actually do. You only believe the parts of the Bible you actually do. I only believe the parts of the Bible I actually do. We are called to be doers of the word, not just hearers. So let's go back. And we're gonna circle back to that story. Matthew chapter seven, when Jesus was talking about the two men and the two houses. 
Jesus' actual words to set up the story were these, and this is in Matthew 7, verse 24. This is what Jesus said. Everyone who, then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Those are Jesus' words. If you hear it and you do it, you will be like a wise man. Hearing the word and living out the word are never separated, and they were never intended to be. So over the next six weeks, church, we will learn to love the word, to learn the word, and to live out the word by doing this, by receiving it well, by receiving it with my ears, being quiet, being calm, being clean, being humble, reading it with my eyes, meaning looking intently, not quickly, at his word, researching it with my hands and mouth, meaning writing it down, and talking with somebody about what it is that I've learned, reviewing and remembering it with my mind, meaning meditating on his word day and night, and finally responding to it with my actions, being a doer, not just a listener of his word. Church, I have no idea where the Lord has you right now. Right now, your life could just be, woo, God is good to me right now. Things just could not be better. And some of you are just wondering, is this it? Is there not something more I should be doing with my life? Some of you might be saying, I do not want another year like this last one. I want to put as much distance between me and it as possible. God, I need better. God, I need a new normal. I need you to show up. We want to graciously, humbly, and with expectation of what God through his spirit will do, invite you into this journey with us. If you're not doing this journey with us, can I just ask you right now to ask yourself, why aren't you? You got something else better to do over the next 40 days? You have no idea what the Lord could do through you and for you over these next six weeks as we just look into his word and see what he has for us. And six weeks from now, you might look back and go, wow, I'm so glad I did this. I'm so glad I took the time. I want to invite you into that space of maybe finding yourself with a group of people and you don't know them. And you get to start meeting people. And you get to start listening to God's word. And you start listening to one another. The blessing could be immeasurable. The riches could be something that you find later in your life that blessed you and changed you in ways that blew you away. Would you pray with me? Lord, this morning, we're taking a look, Lord. It's like we're, we're packing our bags. We're double-checking our itinerary, and we're, we're making sure that everything is good and ready to go, and all our reservations are set as we prepare to do this journey with you and with one another. Lord God, would you bless our steps?
Would you bless this first step? Or are we in or are we out? Are we going to sit on the sideline or are we going to engage? Lord, would you give us that courage right now? Would you give us that faith? Because right now, the last thing the enemy wants is to see us pursuing you, pursuing your word. Lord, your word was given to us for life, for godliness, for correction, for encouragement. Word, your, your words, Jesus, they are life to us. And so, Lord, would you give us these next six weeks to where we came here today, maybe with no intention on getting any more involved in this than showing up on Sunday, and that we would step into some new space, some new air, and see what it is that you have for us as we journey in your word. Bless us, Lord, as we do this. Give us conversations and not, and not shirk away from those. Help us to follow you, Lord, wherever it is you call us to go. We ask all this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we all said, amen. Church, in your seat back in front of you. In your seat backs, you've got some cards that are sitting there. There's a blue card to participate. There's a white card if you'd like to host. And being a host is real simple. You just open your home. We got all the materials and resources ready to go for you. You just open up your home for the next six weeks and you invite some people to just come on in and you journey this together. Would you fill out one of those before you leave today? Our folks are out there waiting for you. We got little baskets where you can just turn them in and let's do this together, okay? God bless you and we look forward to seeing you next week. Take care.